Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the well here at SCSA. If you're just joining us, uh, we are completing our two-part series okay, um, today. And the, what we discussed last week is uh, we just kind of went high-level, macro, the beauty of the Divine Liturgy. We talked about the themes of the liturgy and things like that. So if you missed that, that's kind of the foundation that I'm hoping that everybody either was here or caught up or whatever. You can feel free to go back um, and watch that at home. And the goal of last week was to show that the entire purpose of the pri- of the like the entire purpose of the liturgy is that we are not the primary audience, and that God is teaching us to be givers like Him and not just receivers or takers. This week, what I wanted to focus on is how we can maximize our liturgical experience. Okay, so last week we kind of talked high level, and I know usually when we talk high level, we say, "Okay, that sounds nice, that sounds great in theory," but let's just get down to like, how do I actually do it? Um, and I know we're always eager to kind of jump to that first, but I do believe that like what we discussed last week was really the foundation. Um, but today we're going to definitely do that because the way that the picture I painted for you last week was that liturgy is the most like magnificent, beautiful, like special, like the best, 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 best. And if you grew up in the church, I grew up in the church, I always used to hear this term. The liturgy is like heaven. Everybody heard that? Liturgy is like heaven. Liturgy is like heaven. Let's be honest, okay? <laughs> you grow up in church and you're like, is like heaven. You go and you stand there, it's really long, okay? You're like, man, this is, okay, this is like heaven. I guess heaven is forever, it's eternal, this is, this is very long, okay? <laughs> is like heaven. Then there's like children running and like screaming and whatever and like, yeah, like God said, like, let the kids come to me, it's okay, like, you know, I'm still focused, like is like heaven. And then the, the person next to you is singing and, and we're singing together and, and it's great. And somebody's like off pitch and this deacon is yelling this other deacon. You're like, are angels doing that in heaven? Like, I can't picture this. And they're like, just things are like, this is, it's hard to picture. It's hard to picture is all I'm saying. So we always heard liturgies like heaven, liturgies like heaven, liturgies like heaven. To be honest, for a long time, I didn't see it. Okay, there were parts of liturgy for sure I enjoyed. But a lot of times I was like, man, I just don't see it. Like, I just don't get it. What is it? How can this be like, how can I experience this more fully? Somebody out there clearly is saying that this is beautiful. Okay, maybe they're just saying it just to say it. Like, liturgy is like heaven. It's like a nice thing to say. But, like, hopefully, like, they're saying because they believe it and they've experienced it. So how can I experience that same thing? My goal for today is that as we go through how the liturgy is designed and how the liturgy is structured and we gain a better understanding of how, like, what, what the church is trying to do and to help us in worship, that we get to that point that at least we start to understand, okay, there is a lot of depth here that maybe I missed before. There's a lot of beauty here that I missed before. You know, just to kind of share before we kind of get into today's um, specific topics. When I was uh, first ordained, like any priest that's ordained, they go to the monastery for like for a period of time, 40 days, and they begin to like learn about the liturgy, okay? And you say like, what, what do you learn about the liturgy? Most people, when, when I came back, like, oh, they taught you like the hymns of the liturgy. And I'm like, no. They don't teach you the hymns. Like, that's not, that's not the goal. They don't teach you the hymns of the liturgy. They're like, here's a recording. Like, why don't they teach you a hymn? Like, go, like, to your room or whatever and listen to the recording and, and figure out the hymns. What they're teaching you is, like, the intricacies of the liturgy. Like, the, what they, like, the, the fancy term is, like, the rubrics. Okay, so, like, the movements of the liturgy. Like, now you go to the censor here, and this is what you say when you do this. And this is what you say when you do that. And you're like, man, that, 
And what I told my teacher at the time, I don't know if he thought it was funny or not, I was like, this is like worse than calculus. Like, what is this? And he was just like, he was like, no, no, like it just takes practice and repetition and, and you'll get it. But why? Why the focus on something like that? It seems like mundane or tedious or whatever. What's the goal? The goal is that I'm not just like attending a prayer. The goal is that I'm immersed in prayer, that everything is prayerful. Everything that I'm doing is prayerful. Everything that congregation is doing is prayerful. And that leads us to this. The liturgy is designed. And I told you guys last week, it's all about we're offering, our offering, our offering. But here's where the church is giving, okay? The liturgy is designed to engage the whole being. The liturgy is designed to engage the whole being. The goal isn't just to say a quick prayer and leave, okay? Anybody can do that. We can do that at home. That's not the goal. The goal is to be immersed in prayer. It's like, you know what the difference is? We were just at, at like, uh, took a vacation. We were just at the beach recently. And I'm not like, I'm not a water guy, okay? Like, I, I'll go just for the kids and whatever. I'm not like a water guy. But, you know, when the water's really cold, okay? Like, you're going into a pool and the water's really cold. It's the difference between you kind of put your feet in the, in the water, okay? Versus you dive in. You go all the way in. When you put your feet in the water, what do you feel? This is the worst. Like, it's cold. I don't like this. It's too much. And it's like, ah, it's uncomfortable. And then you're like, okay, fine. I'll just suck it up and I'll just go. And you dive in. Okay, I'm a wuss. You guys are better than me. Okay, you just dive in and you go into the water and then like you're swimming. You're like, this is actually enjoyable. This is so much fun. I'm so glad I got in the water. Like if I was just like, ah, it's cold, uncomfortable, I'm just going to leave, I would never enjoyed it. It's the same thing with the liturgy. If we just like dip our toes in and we're like, ah, I'm just going to come at the end because it's just too long. Or I'm just going to, I'll participate a little, but uh, like whatever. I'll pay attention here, but it's just, it's too much. When we do it that way, it'll never be enjoyable. Okay, like if we do it that way, it'll never be enjoyable. But when we dive in, like when we really invest and we dive in, that's when it's really enjoyable. On the surface, it seems hard, it seems long, it seems even distracting, whatever you want to say. But you get more out of it the more you put in, like anything else in life. The more you put in, the more you'll get out. What we're trying to accomplish in liturgical worship is what Christ referred to as the greatest command. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, your whole being, everything you got. Okay, your strength includes like our will as well. So you're probably wondering, okay, that sounds great, but is that practical? Is that practical? Not only is it practical, that's actually the aim of the liturgy is to help us do just that, is to engage our whole being like I said earlier. And the way that we do that is because we are both physical beings and spiritual beings, okay? So we're both physical beings and spiritual beings. There are some people that think like the physical is bad and the spiritual is good. Like our bodies are like evil. That's actually like heresy, okay? No, like God gave us everything. Everything is good. Christ sanctified everything. Everything is good. So the church says in order to reach your mind, your heart, your soul, all the spiritual stuff, we have to engage the physical because the two are connected. The two go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. We're, we're one being, okay? I can't like turn my mind off. I can't just say mind off now, but I'm going to use my hand. It doesn't work, okay? So it's the same thing with, with our liturgical worship. It requires that we use our physical being. And since the church knows this, the goal is to engage all our senses, okay? So we'll go through this quickly, and this is kind of just how it, the design, okay, overall, okay? And then we'll go into the structure of the liturgy. And I know the word structure, I couldn't think of a better word. It sounds boring, but it's actually, it'll be fine. Okay, just, just stick with me here today. Okay, so how, how we do that in terms of all our senses, okay? First thing is our sight, our eyes, okay? Our eyes, and I put here like an icon. So usually we have here like 
right here in the altar, like an icon of the Last Supper. You guys have seen that when we're praying here. Um, so icons are not just pretty pictures, okay? Sometimes we think of like things as like, oh, it's like nice art. Like, you know, it's like beautiful art. That's not the point. The point is not to look at an icon and just say, oh, that's beautiful art. The goal is that by looking at an icon, my mind and my heart are either focused now on who's worshiping with me, if it's like a saint, okay, or an angel, or at the events of Christ. So when I look at an icon of the Last Supper, for example, or the crucifixion of Christ, that it takes me there. That my mind and my heart, everything is now engaged in that event. That I'm looking at it and I'm meditating on it. So some people will say, icons are too distracting for me. Fine. Like, don't force anything. But I'm telling you what the purpose is. Okay? And we'll, we'll kind of talk about um, different things we can do. Another thing we see is incense. Okay? If you've never walked into an Orthodox service before and the first time you walk in, incense probably shocks you a little bit. Or the smell. Okay? Incense, did you actually know, I, I, I was terrible in like, uh, when I took like AP Psych in high school, I did not do good. Okay, kids, don't, don't be like me. But there was one question I got right on our AP exam. Okay, there's one question I got right. I remember. It was, what is the one thing that helps you, like, with, like which of the senses is most closely tied to like your memory? And it's the smell. Okay? So like, you're, you're, and it shows again how the mind and the senses are connected. Like everything is connected. So incense, what incense represents is like prayer. And we'll discuss later on why that is. Represents prayer or also represents Christ and the offering of Christ on our behalf. So when the priest is going down and he he's, has the censer in his hand or whatever, he has specific prayers he's saying. But he's also like going around telling people like pray. Make sure that you're praying during this, like, during this part of the service. Okay? Um, other thing obviously that we see very clearly is that we hear, okay, whether it's the hymns, but especially scripture. Okay, like we hear scripture and we also hear the hymns. So again, we're engaging our, our ears and if we're singing, we're engaging um, our mouth as well. Um, one of my favorite parts of liturgy, the kiss of peace, okay? So that's touch or physical activity in general. Okay, so the physical activity is important again because we're physical beings. So when we do the kiss of peace, it's not patty cake. Okay, like it's not just we're having fun here. It's I'm saying what? I'm forgiving, right? I'm recognizing maybe there's anger in my heart or there's bitterness in my heart. So I have to forgive. And then finally, the last one, taste, okay, in the Eucharist at the very end. Um, all these things, okay, and it shows you how Christ, by the way, thought that this was very important by the way that he created the last, like the way that he instituted the Last Supper, okay, in the Eucharist. He could have just said, do this, do something else in remembrance of me. But he said, no, these are physical beings. They need physical things. That's from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The key thing, the, like the key thing to remember here is that all these things we're doing is not for show. It's not like the point isn't just to engage the senses for the, just to engage the senses. The point is that by engaging the senses in all these things, all these different tools that the church gives us, that my mind and my heart and my spirit are closer and they're focused on God more. Okay, that I become more and more like that, that, that pool analogy, more and more immersed in prayer and worship. Okay, just a disclaimer here. Some people might find that some of these things are easier or harder than others. For example, Let's say you're not a hymns guy, okay? Like you're not a hymns person. Hymns, like you're just, it's hard for you, okay? That's okay, okay? Like don't feel like you have to force every single thing. But what I would challenge you is participate in, at least try to participate in every single thing. Try to participate in every single thing. And like don't overthink it. It comes naturally. But even if there's like one hymn that's hard, okay, choose an easy hymn, right? If, if scripture, and you find yourself like getting distracted in scripture, maybe you bring your Bible with you, okay? And now you're re following or reading along. Or like, I know we have the apps, but I hate telling people to pull out their phones. But like, maybe it's just something to help you follow along, right? So even if some of these things are hard initially, again, the more we engage, the more we'll enjoy and the more we'll get out of it.
All right. So that's the senses, okay? And I didn't go through everything, but just to kind of give us an idea how the church engages all our senses, okay? So these things are not by accident. They're not like by chance that we happen to have a sensor around. Oh, that'd be fun to use, okay? Like there's, there's, there's a reason there, okay? Um, now that we've gone through that, what we're going to do now is go through the structure of the liturgy, okay? Um, and this is high level, okay? High level. The first thing we see right there is Vespers and Matins, okay? So Vespers and Matins, Technically, 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 Vespers and Matins are actually separate services altogether. You can actually pray a Vesper service without praying a liturgy the next day. You can pray a Matin service technically without praying uh, a liturgy the next day. But for our purposes, we're going to include them here because I actually think they do serve a really important role. Um, so Vespers and Matins, and then you have the offering, the liturgy of the word, liturgy of the faithful and communion, and we'll go through all of them together. Um, but my goal is, or like what I'm hoping, is that as we're going through this, that you begin to understand, okay, this is why the church structured things this way, okay? And this is kind of like, view this as like climbing a mountain, okay? Like we're climbing a mountain together. So let's start with Vespers and Matins. I mentioned to you guys that they're separate services, but the goal of Vespers and Matins is to help me prepare, okay? The goal of Vespers and Matins is to help me prepare. Who can guess in the Orthodox Church, how do we prepare for prayer? Any guesses? By praying, okay? We're very simple people, all right? How do we prepare for fasting in the Orthodox Church? By fasting, like we're simple, like, we just, it's easy for us. Like, I would need to pray, so therefore, I'll pray. Like, it's just, it's common sense. Okay, that's what Vespers and Mans is. We prepare for prayer by prayer. That's why these services are also actually called raising of incense. Okay, raising of incense. Like, the, the censer and incense is representing the prayers going up to God. Um, and this is from the Old Testament, where God commanded the people to pray in the evening and in the morning. Okay? Um, and the reason that they, that they were commanded this is because God wanted to always keep them active and engaged and connected to him, that intimacy, to build that intimacy. Now, if you are not Orthodox and you're saying, that sounds strange, why do we need to prepare for prayer by praying? That sounds like a little excessive or a little too much. Think about it this way. Let's say you're at home. It is, let's say, Monday night, okay? And you say, you know what? This Monday night, I want to do something special. This Monday night, I want to just spend some time with God and I want to spend some time in like really good quality prayer, like kind of just me and God, okay? And you're like, I'm determined to do this. I'm ready to go. We said, but you know what? There's really this really great episode on Netflix that I've really been trying to watch or this really good show or this really good movie or whatever. You're like, I'm going to pray. I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get to it. I promise. But like after this Netflix thing, because this Netflix thing, like this documentary that just came out, it's great. Like I really want to watch it. Let's say you start your Netflix binging, okay? And you watch the first episode and the thing says next and just automatically, it's from the devil, okay? That's from the devil. Okay, so it says next, and you click, and you watch the next episode, and then the next again, and you watch the, the next episode. Next thing you know, you're three episodes in, okay? Two hours have passed by or whatever it's been. You're like, okay, now it's time to get to prayer. What are the chances you're going to pray that night? Zero, okay? The chances are zero. If you pray, you're going to have, like, no energy or what? It's going to be lousy, okay? And more than likely, you're just going to be lazy and not feel like it. Prayer does take preparation. Prayer takes preparation. We can't waltz into prayer. Like, we can't just walk in and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray now. Like, that's not how it works. We need to prepare. So the church knows this. And because the church knows this, that's why we have those services, those Vespers services in the evening. Okay, we do Vespers Saturday night and then matins in the morning at 8.30 a.m. Um, to prepare our hearts for prayer. Okay, so the theme of the Vespers and Matins prayers is just that, is that, God, we're lifting up our hearts to you. We're lifting up our hearts to you. 
It's kind of like the, another analogy, this is like that lawnmower thing. You know, the lawnmower, you got to pull the thing a few times before the lawnmower starts. It's kind of like our hearts. So we're preparing ourselves, we're ready to go, okay? And now we're ready to enter into prayer. There's a prayer that uh, a priest, uh, that the priest prays silently that explains this during the Vesper service, okay? So I'm going to share with you guys. I'm going behind the scenes today, okay? There's some silent priest prayers here. Okay, don't tell anybody I showed you guys this, okay? It's behind the scenes. All right, so there's a silent prayer that the priest is praying. Oh, oh, just kidding. There we go. We ask you, our master, receive our prayers to yourself. This is during Vespers. Let our prayers be set forth before you as incense, the lifting up of our hands as the evening sacrifice. For you are the true evening sacrifice who has offered yourself upon the cross for our sins. So you see automatically how incense and prayers are connected. So that's what the, the, the prayer is saying right there. Um, and that our prayers are a form of offering or sacrifice. Okay, our prayers are a form of offering or sacrifice. But the church also did something here. Did you guys catch that? It connected the offering that I'm, like my prayer and offering, and it's great. And then it did what? But Christ, you are the true evening sacrifice. The church always does this. It's like, I'm offering, I'm offering, I'm offering, but don't forget, Christ is the real offering. Christ is the real sacrifice. In case you think this is just one way, it's not. It's a beautiful, simple pr- prayer, and it shows us kind of the theme of the night. The one in the morning is similar. It talks about like the offering of like the righteous men of the Old Testament and things like that. Um, but that's what we're doing in Vespers and Matins, is that we're lifting up our hearts, and we're lifting, and we're lifting, and Lord, this is our sacrifice, offering. And why it's a sacrifice? Because sometimes it's hard to pray. Okay, Sometimes it's hard to pray. It's not always easy to pray. So it is a sacrifice, and it is work, and it's offering. But the church says, in case you think this is one way, this is your offering to the one who really offered. It's Christ himself, okay? Speaking of offering, that's the next step in the liturgy, okay? So I told you guys it was Vespers, Matins, then the offering. Okay, so the offering, um, and we're not going through every little minute detail. It shows like the major sections, okay, for today. Um, this is where uh, the bread and wine are being presented, okay, to the priest. And this is the part where we're, we're offering the bread and wine to the priest, um, and we're offering it to God. Um, and then the church does something similar. So we, as the church body, we're gathered around, just like we're gathered around. We're saying, this is our offering, Lord. We're offering our prayers. We're offering this, this material things, the bread and wine. We're offering this, Lord, accept this offering. And the church says, great. But before we start, the priest says this. He says, Christ, our God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, Lord, hear us, have mercy on us, and forgive us our sins. Amen. Right? Why does he say this? Because we're offering, and we're offering, and we're coming, and we're coming and bringing, Lord, and we're coming, and we're coming, and we're coming. But just like the Vespers prayer reminded us, but Christ is the true offering. Christ is the true sacrifice. He's the one offering for you. Church is reminding us that liturgy is a relationship. Okay? It's almost like, like a dance. Okay? It's like a relationship or a dance, and you're like, you're offering, and God is offering. And you're offering some more, and then God is offering some more. That's kind of how it goes. And even though we're called to imitate Christ through this offering, through his offering to us, by, <clears throat> by offering ourselves in return, the church is reminding us right from the get-go that you, your job coming to the liturgy, the priests, the deacons, the congregation, every single person, is to offer and to give it all you got. To give it all you got. Every liturgy, to do your best, to give it all you got. But no matter what you give, in the end, you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. That's the summary of those prayers. Is Lord, we're here to offer, and we're here to give, and we're here to give, and we're here to give. He says, good. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more. Like we're never going to out-generous God. Like that's not going to happen. There's a psalm that I love very much, Psalm 103. Um, and it's a beautiful psalm. And it says it this way. 
talks about God's generosity. It says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, of, from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I believe that is what we're experiencing in that moment. It's like, Lord, we're here to offer, and we're here to give, and we're here to give. And God says, and I'll give more, and I'll give more, and I'll give more. So we're experiencing the generosity of God. Okay? So that's the Vespers slash Matins and the Offering. Okay, everybody good? Everybody's still awake? I know we're going through structure, but everybody good? All right, Vespers, Matins, and the Offering. The next step is Liturgy of the Word. Liturgy of the Word. And what does that sound like to you? It's a liturgy of what? Word being Jesus himself, and the word also refers to what? Scripture, okay? So that's what we're focusing on now. Now we turn attention to scripture. And, and you, like a lot, pretty much every sacrament has this. Like there's some component of scripture in there. So this is right after the deacons, they sing like a slow hymn saying saved, okay? The priests uh, praise the absolution. And then we start singing some hymns together, okay? We start singing some hymns together. And then after that, it's time for the scripture, the readings. And what we're being reminded here is just like we're going to receive the word of God in the Eucharist, we're also going to receive the word of God here in scripture, in our hearts, okay, in our ears. We're going to listen and we're going to obey. The goal of the liturgy of the word for me and you when we're sitting there and we're listening to scripture is to one, be attentive, okay? One, follow along, pay attention. Um, Maybe if you've had a chance to, to actually do the readings in advance, that helps a lot. But most of all, most of all, is that I'm preparing my heart to be open for instruction. And this is the key part, is that I'm not coming in, okay, with my own mind about what I want to hear today in Scripture, but I'm coming in open to hearing instruction and saying, I don't know which way God is going to direct me today, but I'm open. I'm going to see where God is going to lead me today. And that's the beauty of the liturgy of the Word, is that sometimes people say the liturgy is the same every week, the liturgy is the same every week. First of all, there's benefits to that, okay, that the liturgy is the same. But even if, if that was the argument, Scripture isn't, okay? The scripture changes. So what is the message that I'm coming to receive today from the Lord? And again, here's a prayer that the priest uh, is praying silently right before you read that, that, uh, the first reading from St. Paul's epistle. Okay, there's the, the prayer right here. The priest says, grant us, all, grant us and all your people a mind free from wandering and a clear understanding that we may know and understand how profitable are your holy teachings. And as he, St. Paul, followed your example, O author of life, so make us also worthy to be like him in deed and in faith that we may glorify your holy name. So the key thing here is what? Lord, help me focus. Help me pay attention. Help me understand. Okay, that's step one. Focus, understand, pay attention. What's number two? That I may follow the ways of St. Paul, right? That, what, that I actually act on what I just learned. That I'm not just listening for the sake of listening. That I'm obeying. If you, ever fe- if you ever feel like distracted, especially during this part of the liturgy, I know people get distracted during different parts, okay? So like if this is like your area and you feel like, you know what, the readings are where I get distracted. The readings is like where I just get lost and whatever. You should pray a prayer similar to this, okay? Like right before we're about to listen to scripture being read to us, pray a prayer like this. Like God, help me focus. Lord, help me like, like open up my ears and my heart that I may focus and hear what you have to tell me and that also you give me the strength to obey what you tell me. So you see, kind of, we're climbing, okay? We came in, preparing, investors and mans. The offering, we're offering ourselves, and Christ is offering back. And then the liturgy of the word, we're going to now receive instruction, and we're going to hear. 
after um, the liturgy of the word, liturgy of the word is, is usually done after the priest gives the sermon, okay? Um, and after that, we have liturgy of the faithful, okay? Liturgy of the faithful. So the priest gives a sermon, okay, um, to which all the people are awake and also paying attention. It's still part of the, the paying attention part, okay? And then after that, um, now is time, now's the time where we call it, uh, where it's called the liturgy of the faithful. And why it's called the liturgy of the faithful is because it begins with what? What do we say? We believe, okay? So the faithful, like those who believe, those who believe in the faith, say, we believe, okay? And back, 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 back in the day, those who were like not uh, baptized yet in the church, they wouldn't even attend this part of the service, okay? So like now it's a little bit different, but back in the day, they wouldn't attend this part of the service because it was part of the, because you're going to start saying, we believe, like that's the beginning. So if you haven't like been baptized or whatever, like you wouldn't necessarily go ahead and do that. Um, but now we, everyone is also welcome. Um, so liturgy of the faithful, this is basically the time where the church is saying, okay, now it's time to roll up our sleeves, okay? Like we've done everything we prepared, offering, we've received, we've heard instruction, okay, get, get ready, go, like get all your energy, like muster all your energy, get ready to go. Time to roll up your sleeves for prayer, okay? Like now we're going to pray and we're going to pray hard and we're going to go all in. And this is the center of the prayers. This is like the center of the, like everything is kind of leading up to this. Okay, so again, if this is the part where you get distracted, this is where we need to like muster up our energy, we need to go because this is like the center of the prayers. And we're ready, we're rolling up our sleeves, we're ready to go. But then the church says, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, slow down, slow down, slow down. Before you continue, before you continue, there's something you got to do first. Prayer of reconciliation. Before you start praying, before you roll up your sleeves, before anything happens, and make us all worthy of our master to greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay? That's the prayer of reconciliation, and that's when the people greet one another. Why? Why is this so important? Why is this in the beginning, right here? It's what Jesus said. It's the words of Christ. Like the church isn't making this up. It's the words of Christ. Jesus says what? Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, which we're all coming offering our, our gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. There's no explanation needed. There's no, when Jesus talks about forgiveness in Scripture, there's no wiggle room. Like, it's very clear. It's very blunt. And this is the part where God is telling us, if you have any anger in your heart, if you have bitterness in your heart, it's time to let that go. Now, I know that's easier said than done. Okay, and I was, uh, I'm sure there's some people out there that have gone through something really difficult, okay? And it's really hard to forgive. What I always tell people when, when, they, when they say, like, I can't forgive. First thing, forgiveness is not just about emotion, okay? Forgiveness is not just about emotion. But I still feel angry at the person. That's not the same as forgiveness, okay? Forgiveness is not just about emotion. Forgiveness is saying that person doesn't need to pay me back anymore. That person doesn't need to pay me back anymore. And the emotions and stuff will come. I'm not saying like you can still be angry and bitter and whatever. Like I'm not saying it like that. But at least say I'm committed to the process of forgiveness. I'm committed to the process of forgiveness. I'm going to do everything in my power to forgive because I know if I don't, it's going to destroy me. Bitterness, anger, resentment, whatever, it's going to destroy me. So I'm committed to the process of forgiveness. And maybe I haven't forgiven that person yet. I'm not completely healed from that yet. That's fine but I'm committed to the process of forgiveness. And the starting point, and I always tell people, like the starting point where, where you need to get to is where you can write down on a piece of paper and mean it, so-and-so doesn't owe me anything. They don't owe me anything. They don't even pay me back for something. That's the starting point. The church knows that this is essential because we can't go in front of God and say, God, we love you so much. 
You're the best God. Thank you so much for all, everything you've given us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then turn back and say, oh yeah, by the way, I hate your son. I hate your daughter. Like imagine you come to me like, Father Timothy, man, we love you. We are, you're great. Your daughter's the worst. Your son, hate him. And I'd be like, oh my goodness, like that's like, like piercing through my soul. Like how are you going to say that about my child? But you're, you're pretending to love me. It doesn't work that way. The key here, the key here is that before, again, the, the church is saying, we want you to be all in. We want you to dive all in. So your heart has to be clean, especially from this, okay? Next part that I wanted to highlight in, in the Liturgy of the Faithful is part that um, is, is really the core of the prayers, okay? And this is the, what's called the institution narrative. So this is basically, and this is a bad word, I'm going to use not a good word, okay? A reenactment of the Last Supper, okay? Reenactment is not a good word, Okay? What it really is, is we're entering into the mystery of the Last Supper with Christ right then and there. Okay? I know it sounds weird, but that's what we're doing. Liturgy is out of time. So we're not saying, we're li- it's not a play, is my point. It's we're entering into the mystery of the Last Supper right then and there. And this is where we start the prayers by saying, He, being God, instituted for us this great mystery, the Eucharist, of godliness, for being determined to give himself up to death for the life of the world. The theme, like I mentioned, everywhere in the liturgy is sacrifice. We're sacrificing, God is sacrificing, we're offering, God is offering back. And now we've gotten to the point where we're not talking about symbols anymore, but we're looking at the sacrifice himself. Okay, now it's not like the symbol of Christ's offerings. No, no, no. Now, Christ himself, sacrifice, we're looking at him. And the part that always gets me when we're reading that, the word that always gets me, is that he was determined that he was determined. And when we're praying that, that God was determined, 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 determined. He wants to save us. He was so determined. And the question I'm left to wrestle with when I'm saying that prayer, because remember, this is a relationship. He's offering, I'm trying my best to offer. And he's offering some more, and I'm trying my best to offer some more. So Christ is not saying, I'm, I was, I'm determined to save you. I'm determined to save you. I was determined to save you, and I'm still determined to save you. Question for me, Am I determined to follow him faithfully? Am I determined to follow him faithfully? If he's determined and he's offering and he's sacrificing, he's doing all this stuff, am I determined in the same way? This is the liturgy of the faithful. If we're going to call ourselves faithful, it's not because we can recite the creed. It's because we're following him. Like reciting, anyone can learn to recite a, a, a creed, okay? But the key is that am I following him or not? Christ died for me. He humbles himself for me even in, in bread and wine. And that's determination. It's relentless pursuit. God is always relentlessly pursuing me. But what about the other way around? Am I determined to faithfully follow him? I'll be honest. The answer to this question is hard. Okay, I, I, I'll say sometimes yes. The answer is sometimes yes. The answer sometimes is no. And in those moments of, of weakness and no, that's what I say. That's what I say in those moments of weakness. Is, Lord, you know I'm weak, but I want to follow you. Right? It's like St. Peter, when Jesus asked him, do you love me? He says, like, yeah, Lord, like, you know I love you. Like, I'm, I'm trying here, you know? <laughs> like, I'm doing my best. This is key for us. Because if we get into the, the mentality, as we're going into the liturgy as just consumers, we won't even ask ourselves those questions. If we go into it as consumers, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just willing, to, I'm just coming to just receive and receive and receive and receive. That's not what the liturgy is. Liturgy is relationship of offering, back and forth. After we do this, and we 
do some more prayers. Okay, we won't go into all the details there. But this is kind of the core, like I said, the institution narrative. After we pray the institution narrative, we pray some more prayer. We pray for everyone at that point. We pray for like the peace of the world and pray for like those who are poor and travelers and all that stuff. Finally, 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 at the end, we get to communion, okay? And this is the part where we've all been waiting for, right? This is the part where we're receiving Christ and we're being united with him. But also communion means that we're united to who? To each other. Communion is not just I'm partaking. And this is the question that people have is like, why can't everyone just walk in and just take communion? Because this is a family. And this is like the, the family, we all have to kind of like believe the same stuff to participate in something that we think is very special. So communion is me being united with God and me being united with my brothers and sisters. And if you've ever struggled with this, like I know some people have struggled with like, am I worthy to receive communion? I'll kind of shortcut the answer for you. The answer is no, like you're not worthy. Okay, like sorry, I'm not worthy, you're not worthy. People always ask me like, I don't feel worthy to take communion. Like, so I'm just not going to take communion. And I'm like, well, if I did that, you guys wouldn't have a liturgy. Like, if that's, if that's how we're going to play this, okay, like, that doesn't make any sense. So, like, what's the solution? Okay, I don't feel worthy to take communion. Welcome to the club. You shouldn't feel worthy, okay? The solution is that we're engaging in these prayers. The solution is that I come with a heart that's prepared, that I'm offering repentance, that I said, Lord, I know I have my flaws. I know I have my sins. The solution is that I'm not taking my life with God for granted. I'm following him faithfully. The solution is the liturgy. It's preparing us for this moment. Did you know that at this part in the liturgy, when we're, before we're about to receive communion, the priest calls you holy. Did you know that? The priest calls you holy. I know, shocker. All of us, okay? Priest calls you holy. He says what? The holies are for? The holy. The holies are for the holy. Like these holy things are for the holy people. And you're like, who? Like you're looking around like, that guy? All of us, okay? All of us. Why? Because he makes us that way. He makes us holy. He makes us worthy. Nobody comes to the Eucharist worthy. That's impossible. But there's a difference. If I come with no reverence at all, that's no good. If I come with no appreciation at all, no good. But if I come scared, like I'm trying everything I can, but I just, I can't do it. Okay, well, like God is offering himself and he's offering and he's offering. He says, you're worthy. He says, no, I'm not worthy. Okay, but I made you worthy. No, I can't accept it. You tell me I can't do it. So then we're telling God you can't do it. The beautiful part of the liturgy is that God is taking us step by step and the church is taking us step by step, preparing us for this moment, preparing us just for this. So that, in a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen, okay, that in a nutshell is the liturgy. Everybody still awake? Everybody still good? Okay, good. That in a nutshell is the liturgy, the structure of the liturgy. And if I wanted to describe what this was, I kind of told you guys it's like offering back and forth a relationship. And like I said earlier, it's kind of like climbing a mountain. So, Imagine to yourself, you're climbing a mountain when, when liturgy gets really hard. Imagine yourself, you're climbing a mountain to meet the one you love, to meet the person that is most precious to you. So you're climbing this mountain and sometimes it's hard, but I'm going to push through. I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to do everything I got. And I climb this mountain. I prepare myself in Vespers and Matins. I offer our, we offer our prayers, our hearts, our minds in the offering. Then the liturgy of the word, we offer our ears and our hearts again to, to receive the word of God. And then we're following him faithfully. And in our minds, this climb is tough. This climb is difficult at times, okay? But when we push through, like I told you about the pool, like push through, we really enjoy it. And in reality, in our minds, we're like climbing this massive mountain and we're like, we're going for it. And you know, we're getting up to the mountain. And then if you take like kind of like a, like a macro vision thing, like a, we're looking at it from like, 
you know, up above in the sky, okay, and we take a camera, really what it looks like is you're just taking baby steps, okay, and we're just crawling together, okay, on this, on this mountain. Like the mountain is here, and we think like we're getting close, but really we're just like taking baby steps, okay, and we're crawling, and then God himself is running down. God himself is the one running down towards us. That's what the liturgy is. So we're doing our best. And Lord, we're offering this. Oh, that's so nice. It's like, God is like, thank you so much. And like, Lord, we know that you love this, so we're offering this too. Thank you so much. And we're like, baby steps, crawling. And it's like, and in our minds, we're like, we're like saints. Like we're St. Paul, <laughs> like say, coming, the second coming of St. Paul. Like we're doing something great here. And we're like taking baby steps and we're crawling. And then God himself is the one running down to us. That's what the liturgy is all about. The liturgy is about recognizing that we're going to be united with the one who desires more than we could even imagine to be united with us. But it takes effort. I'm not going to lie here to you and say, it's just easy, show up on Sundays, and, you know, it's easy. To maximize our experience in liturgy takes effort. And the key for us to remember, these are the three things we have to kind of focus on, all right, is we have to prepare ourselves, okay? If you're able to come to Vespers, if you're able to come to Matins, if you're not able to come to Matins and Vespers, okay, and again, one of the questions, don't ever ask me this question, okay? What's the latest I can come to take communion? Don't you ever ask me that question. Don't you ever ask me that question. That is such a rude question. Like, we're going to ask God, hey, how late can I come to, to hang out with you? Like, that's so rude. That's so rude. Prepare yourself by coming as early as you can. Okay, I'll join Prepare yourself to come as early as you can. And, and, and like, get, when you get in the habit, it becomes easier and easier. And if, you have, if you're a family and you're like, I have young kids and whatever, try your best, okay? Like, try your best to come as early as you can. You'll get more out of it the longer you've been in it. That's how it works. It's the pool example. That's how it works. Come ready to present an offering. Come ready to present an offering. Offering of your heart, offering of all your senses, your entire being. You're coming ready to offer and offer and offer. And you're coming participating, okay? Participating fully. Like, I'm going to, even though I don't necessarily love to sing, I'm going to try to sing. Okay, I don't get the, the, that reading that we just read, but I'm going to pay attention. You know, I'm kind of distracted. I'm going to pray. God, help me pray and focus. Okay, I'm going to participate fully. When we do that, when we do that, like with determination, like Christ determined himself for us to save us, when we do that with determination, I promise you, we'll get so much more out of the liturgy. It'll be such, like, it'll be the best experience. And talk to people around you. Believe it or not, some people really enjoy the liturgy. Okay, like, I know. It's crazy. There are people out there. I know, people out there. So talk to people around you. Get some tips. Figure it out. But my point is, liturgy is beautiful. Let's not discount it. Let's not say, like, when's the latest I can come, or I don't like this part, or what? Let's just go all in. Let's go all in. The church has set this up for a reason, and I promise you when we do that, when we prepare ourselves, when we present an offering, and when we participate fully, we'll get something great and great and great and great out of it. And God is the one offering way more than what we could even offer back or imagine. Let's stand up and pray together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for your generosity, for your love towards us. Lord, we're humbled by your humility. We have no words to offer to you. We have nothing really, Lord, to give. But we offer to you, Lord, because you ask us to. And even though, Lord, it doesn't change you, it doesn't change the way you see us, it doesn't change the way you view us, doesn't change your love towards us. You want us to offer, Lord, to become more like you, to be healed, to be sanctified, Lord. Help us, Lord, in our time, especially when we are, are praying together as a church body, as, as, as a family, 
that we are praying from our hearts, that we're praying fully, that we're participating, that we're coming, Lord, as early as we can, and we're just so excited to meet you. Lord, we know we're not worthy of anything that you give us. We know we're not, but we're so thankful that you even give us those, the, the most amazing thing, yourself, even though we're not worthy. We're so thankful to have a God like you that is merciful, that is compassionate, and that is so generous. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you've given us. And every single thing, Lord, that, that we offer to you, Lord, we ask that you accept it and you accept our offering, Lord, even small or big, just like the five loaves and the two fish, Lord. We know we got nothing, but we know, Lord, that you just love that. And that's the relationship that we have with you, and we're so honored, Lord, to be your children. Pray all, all these things in your name through intercessions of all your saints. Here says, we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, it will be done on earth as it is. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.